Welcome to the second episode of the Good Leadership Podcast in 2022, where we'll be diving into what good leadership looks like and sharing insights that we as executive coaches are experiencing. I'm Paul Botts, the CEO and founder of Good Leadership, and here's my co-host. I'm Kevin Sensnick, and I have the privilege to serve as the Chief Learning Officer with Good Leadership, and I also am president of Interaction Dynamics Group. We're the Mid-Atlantic Partner for Good Leadership. So I'm excited to begin diving into this discussion with you today, Paul, around we is greater than me, uh, and what it means to kind of shed that superhero cape. I think that's one of the big challenges I find in work with executives is that all of us have accomplished something great in our life that leads us to be an executive, and then we come in assuming our job is now to remove all the challenges, all the barriers, all the difficulties for our team. It was interesting. I had an epiphany this week in working with a leadership team around the idea of innovation in their organization. And what we discovered is it's the chaos and the messiness in which the team thrives in the innovation. And when we take away that messiness and that difficulty, the team doesn't thrive. And so I think that's an interesting perspective on why we have to be careful of not leading with our superhero cape and allowing the team the space to grow and develop. Yeah, well, it's obvious that as we grow our careers, you have to kind of prove yourself. You got to do a good job. And that creates those superhero tendencies. But around here, we think we believe in this idea that nothing significant ever happens alone. And even this podcast, it takes a whole bunch of people to pull this off. And we, uh, we also believe that good leadership is a plural concept. And we're going to dive a little deeper into that um, later and, you know, catch up on some stories and things like that. Yeah, looking forward to that, Paul. But before we jump into all the stories and the elements of the topic today, um, how's your week going? I, I tell you, this morning didn't get started so well. I was, uh, I was doing a meeting with one of our clients, you know, an infamous Zoom meeting right now, actually a Teams meeting, yeah. and we had participants <laughs> from three different continents on this call, and we're wow. having some construction done in our office. They're expanding the office footprint and things like that, and some, one of the construction guys did something that killed the internet for oh, me no. right during the middle of the meeting, and so I couldn't see or hear I luckily was able to text one of my colleagues, and and she picked up for me. But, um, you know, I got up really early in the morning and prepared for that, and I was all fired up for this thing, and I just went, you know, dead in the water. So, yeah, I'm I'm hoping this (laughs) podcast goes better. Yeah, that can be frustrating. I know uh, technology is a wonderful thing, but it can really create a lot of anxiety and challenges uh, as we work with our, our clients, no doubt. I should also say here that it is many degrees below zero here in Minneapolis today. So we'll just add that to the equation. Yeah, well, in central Pennsylvania, it's only around seven. So it's not quite below zero, but it's pretty cold for us. So, so Kevin, how's your week going? Yeah, it's been a fantastic week. We've uh, been onboarding some new clients this week, and it's been encouraged to see them embrace the idea of goodness and leadership, to think about the idea of setting big aspirations and challenging their team to step forward and step up. And recognizing the hard work it's going to take to do that. And so it's been interesting to see those light bulbs go off in people's minds as they make the connection between the work we do and aligning and building the team and the work we do with executing and getting great results. And so it's been a fun week to work through that. So thanks for asking. Yeah, you're welcome. So let's get back to this concept of we is greater than me. It it was interesting this week, Paul, as I was talking with one of the individuals I'm coaching and to hear his struggle with where he fits on his team. He's feeling a lot of pressure from his team to produce at a higher level, but he's feeling it in a way that's kind of, as he said it to me, people see me piling on me. And it was almost an inward look. I'm frustrated. I want them to stop that. And as we discussed that a little bit, I started to 
ask him to start thinking about it from the team's perspective rather than his own perspective. As he shifted that thinking, he started saying, oh, wait a minute, there are things I can begin to do to engage the team differently, to work well within the team, and to really become a better part of the team rather than trying to protect my own area, my own turf, my own challenges. I thought that was an interesting transition to see him go through in this idea of moving from me to we. And I think that ties into our conversation today, Paul. So what are some of the things that we need to be thinking about? How might we address or adapt into this idea of we is greater than me? Yeah. Well, first of all, we can start by talking about where did we really come up with this idea? So um, Mm -hmm. in 2015, with the support of Cargill and U.S. Bank, we did a really important study And that was to um, do the research to prove how goodness pays in leadership. Mm. And so goodness is when people thrive together in a culture Uh of encouragement, accountability, and positive teamwork. And it's a really really attractive concept. Most people believe in goodness and that goodness pays. But through the advice of some advisors, they said, you know, your ideas will be powerful if you actually have research. So we did the research and we identified five goodness pays factors, which I'm sure we'll get into deeper at some time in another one of these podcasts. But the third one of the five goodness pays factors is a team-based culture where we is greater than me. Okay, interesting. And that's like the centerpiece of everything that we talk about. And the superhero mentality where people feel like they have to prove themselves or they need to dig in and take charge and kind of swoop in and rescue people, that's where we, you and I, end up coaching a lot of people out of that superhero. And the metaphor we use is you got to take off your superhero cape, right? Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so there's one story I can think of that really brings this to life. It starts with this bright, talented young leader who had her first big job. Um, She got promoted above her peers. It's the kind of story we hear about all the time. And she started the job with a really big burst of adrenaline. And, you know, she wanted to change the culture herself and, you know, by leading by example. And she sure. fell right into the superhero trap without even really right. realizing it. You, right. You're familiar with those kind of stories, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I think that's the natural reaction. I'm coming in. I've been dubbed the new leader. And I'm here to make all the change and all the difference in the world. It's not an exciting opportunity, right? <laughs> well, there's so many layers to this story. I'll try to get through them quickly. We're just going to call this woman Adriana. Okay. She um, grew up in this Midwestern town. And got an Ivy League scholarship, went off to the East, got a, you know, straight A's at one of the prestigious schools and immediately got a big job in a big company. And 14 years later, she got recruited back to her hometown to become the sales and marketing senior VP for a company that she'd interned in 14 years before. Nice. Super excited, got to live and work in the same city as her family and... Not very long after that, just five months after that, the guy who uh, recruited her, the president, he mm-hmm. he got sick, Ooh. and he had to uh, leave the job. Oh, that's too bad. And turns out that uh, he had been sick for a while, and mm-hmm. uh, you know how these things go. The executive yeah. search firm comes in, they interview everybody, and very quickly they figured out that all of her peers were eliminated from the possibility, and she got Ah. promoted to becoming their president. So just five months after she got there. Yeah. Wow. Pretty fascinating. That had to be kind of shocked to her system and thinking, exciting, but a little scary. Yeah. And so finally she had the job she'd always wanted, happened to be in her hometown, but Mm -hmm. very few people thought it was a good thing, except for like her family and immediate friends, because they were all kind of in shock. And what she didn't really realize is 
this guy had been, we'll just say, coasting for a while. Mm. And he, um, he did a few things that really made life a lot harder for her. And then also, 30 days into the job, they had some huge quality issues with their number one product. Their enterprise resource planning system uh, was more than six months behind, and that caused a delay in their new product that was supposed to kind of revitalize sales. And, you know, she was sitting up one night kind of trying to get her arms around this whole situation, and she was reading the performance reviews. And turns out her predecessor gave everybody around the table an exceeds expectation performance review and maximum bonus, even though the company missed its top line and bottom line. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yep. Wow. So she felt alone and duped and, yes. you know, trying to search for wh- what to do. So her instincts took over. And she basically right. decided, I'm going to take charge. And she did a whole yeah. bunch of things that later she would regret. But those okay. were really good learning experiences for her. And the first thing she did was she said, you know what, we're going to do a lock-in. So with, with less than a week's notice, she demanded that her team – move to a hotel, stay overnight two nights, and, you know, kind of replan the whole business. They had to figure out what to do with this situation and how they were going to turn it around. And so, Hmm. you know, later she would really regret the words lock in. I mean... I was going to say, (laughs) I heard that and I went, oh, that kind of put me on edge right away. (laughs) But, you know, the company that she was at out east, they used to do this all the time. Sure, sure. Yeah, so she didn't think there was anything wrong with it. And not only that, but over the opening dinner, she decided to level with the team. You know, give them the brutal facts, the way, you know, Jim Collins talked about brutal facts, right? So she said, hey, I read everybody's performance review, and I know that you all got exceeds expectation review, and I know you all got maximum bonus payout, even though we missed our top line and bottom line. And she said, "I that's history. I can't do anything about it, but that's not going to happen on my watch. No one's going to get any bonuses unless we all hit our goals. You guys understand that? Wow. So I go from lock-in to... You're probably not performing well, and you're not going to get your bonus. That's a little scary. Well, yeah, and suffice it to say that she got their attention. And, yeah, you know, she's this uh, woman with endless energy, and she just right. drilled them for two solid days from breakfast until uh. through dinner till 11 p.m., and they actually did a lot of really good work. They, they talked through the issues, they aligned things, and mm. when they let – when they finished the second day, she was energized, but everybody else was absolutely exhausted, and they were in shock by her intensity. And most people were actually looking around the room wondering if she was going to actually be able to keep this up. Yeah. As I'm listening to this, it's interesting. You mentioned at the very beginning that she was an A student. And so what you just described in the lock-in and the brutal facts comment is something that A students tend to attract to very well and like to live by and are driven by. But it sounds like that didn't resonate as well with the team. And so it sounds like it created a little challenge for her here. Yeah, not only that, but she didn't even think that the retreat was disruptive in any way, shape, or form. So um, about two months later, she asked her CFO, you know, how do you think things are going? And he said, actually, I don't think things are going very well at all. Everybody's really Mm -hmm. guarded around here. The mood is kind of low. And she said, yeah, but our business is doing so much better. And he's like, yeah, but do you really know your team at all? And so the CFO actually recommended that she use a tool that we have a good leadership called the Team Momentum Survey. He had used that technique in another company. And so he invited us in and um, we assigned the team a coach and the coach used the Team Momentum Survey. And when she saw the survey, she was really, really shocked. 
It, she learned three things. Trust was extremely low. Okay. That people did not feel appreciated in any way, shape, or form. And that okay. commitment to the follow-through was absolutely terrible. And this is self-reported mm. by the team members themselves. So, Paul, let me just take a moment and explain for our audience the Team Momentum Survey and the construct of that. So uh, the Team Momentum Survey really measures two key elements, the structural aspect of the team, how well we're connected around our plan, our clear roles and responsibilities, our outcomes and our decision-making, and then the relational part, how well we care for one another personally and professionally, and how we're working to win together. So I think that's important to connect into this story. Yeah, and we talked about that a little bit two weeks ago on the last podcast. So what was fascinating about this situation is that she was kind of stunned in disbelief, but the CFO said, yeah, actually, I think that's what I see here. Mm-hmm. And that, that revealed her basic blind spot. She right. was clearly a hard-driving structural leader. And the leader right. that came before her was very relational. He was a person that had been there for 22 years. He knew everyone. He knew their kids and their families and everything. And, you know, he was the kind of person that spent most of his energy uh, trying to create harmony on the team. Mm -hmm. And then it's also clear now that as he was near the end, he did not want to create any tension. So he gave everybody an exceeds expectation uh, evaluation and gave him the maximum bonus. And, and I think it's clear now that he knew that he was leaving so he wouldn't have to clean this mess yeah. up. Yeah. And that felt probably very good for him and it probably felt good for the team, right? Oh, we're leaving on a high. This is wonderful. So the good news is, is that Adriana felt validated because her instincts about the business were absolutely spot on and things were okay. actually starting to turn around. But it did reveal her blind spot. You know, she'd moved mm-hmm. back to the, her hometown but she really hadn't revisited with any of her friends. And uh, it never really occurred to her that she could develop supportive relationships, even friendships with these people who are direct reports of hers. And hmm. her coach helped her rehearse some sort of humble statements for how to okay. invite her direct reports to go have a glass of wine or a cup of coffee and to learn what was going on in their lives outside of work. And then she could ask, well, how do you think it's going here? And that Mm -hmm. process of having these one-on-one conversations, the relational piece that we talked about, is what really started to pull the team together. And Hmm. it seems so simple, but it was something that she wasn't thinking about at all, Kevin. Right. I find it to be very common. Uh, two things are kind of resonating as you're sharing the story, Paul, and I know we'll get back to a little more detail here, but uh, often I find in organizations that when leaders change, there's that shift from structural to relational. You know, that one leader is very relational, the next leader coming in is very structural, and then back and forth, because I think the organization recognizes they need that that healthy tension between those two elements. But it's amazing how it shifts the team so hard. So that was an interesting takeaway that the previous leader was so relational, she was so structural. And I've, I see that happen a lot in organizations. Yeah, so it's cultural whiplash at the executive team Exactly. Level. Well, yeah. one of the people had some courage and said, you know what doesn't feel right? She said, mm-hmm. in all of our team meetings, you and our CFO dominate conversations. You have 90% of the airtime. And you act mm-hmm. as if you don't even really care what the rest of us are thinking. So what yeah. that person said is, we're craving equal time. Okay. We can't have a team-based culture unless all of us are weighing in on everything. And so they, they came up with this shared commitment called equal time. And okay. that means that you're obligated to speak up on every subject. And if you're in agreement, just do a thumbs up and weigh in. 
But if okay. you see it a different way or you disagree, you're obligated mm-hmm. to put your voice on the table. And that meant that Adriana and the CFO had to talk less. Wow. Okay. And that took some coaching. And sure. they had to give people around the table permission to interrupt them, to hold their hand up, to say, listen, you're talking too much. Let us in. What happened was they started to develop um, respect for each other around the table that they didn't have mm-hmm. before. And they started to actually hold each other to a much higher standard. And Adriana sat back and watched it happen. She didn't have to create accountability. The team was creating a whole new spirit of accountability because, remember, they wanted to get their bonus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this is a perfect example of how as soon as Adriana took her superhero cape off and empowered and engaged her team – Everything in her life got better, including her relationships. She had more time at home with her husband and daughters. She started to reconnect with her family. And I can tell you, she stayed in that job for five years. And she ended up, uh, well, her life got a lot better, both personally and professionally. We just leave it at that. Good. Yeah, excellent. Good. You know, as I'm hearing this story also, Paul, I'm reflecting on how relevant it is for today. Uh, you know, in early 2022, I think all leaders are struggling with this issue of working with remote teams. Now, some of us as leaders have done that for many years, but other leaders have not done that. And I think that one of the things we have to challenge ourselves to think about as leaders is how do we build this sense of we in a virtual environment? So I love this story as in an intact team, an in-person team, but I think there's relevance to our thinking today about how do we do it in a virtual environment? Well, yeah, like my story from this morning. (laughs) We were doing this, but my internet connection died, and and that wasn't part of the plan, (laughs) right? Exactly. So as leaders, the success habits we can take from this then are, on the structural side, align our goals together and keep ourselves accountable as a team to those goals. And on the relational side, value the team time and the team interaction above our own schedule and own action. I like those two. Yeah, and they seem simple. But one of the things we realized in doing the How Goodness Pays research is the success habits that make the biggest difference are not rocket science. They're common sense. But the way the world spins sometimes, it's just really hard to make common sense, common practice. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Okay, so I think that leads us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening in and investing in the time to improve your leadership. We hope you really enjoyed today's episode, and as always, we want to hear from you, whether it's thoughts about the episode or ideas you'd like to hear us address in a future session. Uh, You can reach out to us by sending sending us a note at info at goodleadership.com. That's I-N-F-O at goodleadership.com, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Well, in this podcast is proof that uh, nothing significant ever happens alone. I really do enjoy doing this podcast with you, Kevin. I think uh, you make me a better coach and a better leader the more we have these conversations. So let's remember that anyone can work longer and harder like a superhero. But what's the point in that? Goodness pays when people feel like they're thriving together. And... Mm -hmm. The superhero takes the joy out of that. If someone's always swooping in and doing your job for you or not letting the team actually help each other thrive together, it's it's just not very satisfying and it's not good business. And it's that thrive together idea that I know fuels you, Kevin, and me too in our pursuit of this idea that good leadership is a team sport. So I hope everybody here 
ponders when they do wear their superhero capes and make sure they take that superhero cape off. And we hope this podcast helps you build the team of your dreams. Talk to you soon. 